we appreciate the, all the services so far. Everybody's messages, but Todd, always glad to hear you. Young people gives us a message too. The musicians and Sally Marie's song was especially good, I thought. I think about those ancient words in relative to what I want to try to say today. Um, you know, in the Bible, of course, every one of these words, each word is inspired of God. They're true. Uh, the Bible is an amazing book. It's a living book, too. And it does speak to us. It does change us. Uh, the Holy Spirit, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's Jesus Christ, the Word. Um, but I was thinking, uh, while Sally Marie was singing, uh, in the Bible, there are certain places in Scripture that seem to be more prominent that gives us those changing moments and those comforting times of our lives uh, that we need to go back to, and particularly uh, in their familiarity to us and how they speak to us. Uh, there's four in my mind. There's, uh, like I say, none of them are not from God, but when I think of the Ten Commandments, uh, I think of certainly instructions from God. They're ancient and they're still, uh, they're still in force today. You know, the Ten Commandments are not out of date. I mean, Jesus fulfilled them for us. Uh, that is so true, and we need to appreciate that. But it's still uh, an avenue that we go through life and we think about and live by. God gave us that. Uh, the 23rd Psalm is another one. I think about that. I, there's probably no other uh, scripture in my ministry for doing funerals. When I talk to families, when I ask them if there's something very special to them, 23rd Psalm. I can understand that. It's special to me, too, and I'm sure it is to you. The Beatitudes is another place in the New Testament. I'm convinced if you read the Beatitudes, it'll just do so much to you to enlighten you. But then the other one in, that I'm thinking of is the one I want to use today to um, use as a subject of looking for God's glory, and it's the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. So turn with me to Luke chapter 11. This is also, as you know, recorded in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 6, where Jesus Christ, as part of the Beatitudes, the model prayer of the Lord's Prayer. But I wanted to use that as we think about looking for God's glory. I think these kind of places in Scripture are particularly healing, I would be willing to say if you use any of those four that I've mentioned and you read them five times a day, every day for seven days, it will change your life, your heart, your outlook, your perspective of life. You try it. I mean, the Word of God is just that powerful and it's so amazing. That's the healing we really need. Now, there's a lot of this virus going around. It's horrific. It really is. But I'm going to tell you what, the greatest need we have is the healing of our souls. And the healing of our souls comes from God. It really does. And so may the Lord bless us. He is the great physician. And there was a time in the disciples' life, and the disciple you know is, I would say this is what you and I want to be. We are, by God's grace, a learner. We have a lot to learn. And here the disciples wanted to learn more about prayer. I've got to tell you, before I read this, when I was studying this week, I've come to the uh, opinion in my little life, I don't even know how to pray. I've never prayed one prayer in my life when I really consider what God's calling prayer. I wonder if any of us have really as we bow before God. You know, prayer's not words, it's not. It's about our coming to God in humble adoration and grace. And I pray that God would help us and that we would be just as desirous because if you're really looking for God's glory, you're going to go to Him and pray for it. And may the Lord help us. That's what the disciples did. Look at verse 1 of chapter 11 of Luke. And it came to pass 
that as he was praying in a certain place, that's Jesus, and he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. I wonder if we'd say that this morning in our hearts, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us, Lord, to pray. You know, that's one thing that, that I think we've gotten more exposed to lately. I bet you there are God's people in the last few months than ever before. I really do. Now, we, you know, we've got, we got to go social distance and we can't be with people. There's a lots of times we can't be in church. But I'm going to tell you, there's no social distance with prayer. Prayer is when you come to God and, you know, nothing can stop you from praying. You might not can go places or do things, but you can pray. And I pray that God would teach us how to do it. It's a blessing to do it. And it's desperately needful. It's obviously more essential than even church. It really is. May the Lord bless us. In verse 2, and he he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, When you pray, do it. When you do it, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you know, in the Matthew account, the Beatitudes, Jesus added to that prayer, or uh, furthered furthered it when he said, uh, Thy kingdom come. Thou will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, for the power and for the glory of it all. In other words, he opens the prayer when he says, the petition, once you get to the Father, our Father which art in heaven. we got to understand that we have a Father in heaven, that God is sovereign and that we come to him in prayer we understand that, that he loves us, that he's our father. We cry, Abba, Father. We are God's children. Don't ever forget that. Don't let the world shake you around your doubts and fears. You are one of God's children. So you come to God as your father, and you tell him where it hurts. You tell him what you need. You, you come to him, though, confident that you can commend all your hurt right into his hand, as Jesus did on the cross, his last words, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You give your life to the Father, okay? Oh, goodness, that's the comforting that we know. If we don't get to him as our Father, there's no use to go to him anywhere else. We don't need to go any further in this prayer until we get to God being our Father, I think it's Elizabeth Cheney, this lady's name. She has a little poem that really fits right now. If I can remember, it's only a couple of stanzas. But it's about little birds. And it says this, it says, Said the robin to the, to the sparrow, I really would like to know, While these anxious human beings rush around and worry so, Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it might be. They must not have a heavenly father like cares for you and me. You know, we do have a heavenly father who cares everlastingly, lovingly for you and me. God does care. 
And so when Jesus says to pray, remember that God really cares. He does. He, he, he is our Father, and, and He's sovereign, and we can be comforted in that. But we need to get to that first, and I want to see that. But that's not what I wanted to say about this prayer. I want to get to the petitions and see how they lay out. I want you to understand with me that the first thing that God says, Jesus says to the disciples, and He says to us about prayer, is once we see the Father which art in heaven. That means that he's not like earthly fathers. Because if I say just think of the father in the human terms, some of us didn't have good fathers maybe. There's people that have been abused by their earthly fathers. There's some that don't even have any earthly fathers that they know about that have just abandoned them, so to speak. No, I'm talking about the father in heaven. That's what you got to know, that he's in heaven. That he's, he's ever present, but he's in heaven. And he's looking for you and caring for you and able to do it and provide all your needs. And so we're to go to him and ask him. He will not give you a rock when you ask him for something, some bread. He's not. He knows exactly what we need. And he loves us that much. But I wanted to get to the petitions. Notice he says, first of all, thy kingdom come. I want to deal with my three points of the message today. I've called savoring glory. Why I called it that is this. Did you know that you, your prayers, are a sweet-smelling savor to God? In other words, your prayers smell good. Sister Meyer, I'm so glad to see you. I just missed you a while ago. What a blessing. What a blessing you are. I just thank the Lord for you that you're able to be with us. I wanted to say, too, that you are a sweet-smelling savor. Have you ever heard such one of Meyer Brantley's prayers? I'm going to tell you to, just humble. That lady can pray. So many ladies can pray too. And that's one of them. And I know I don't have any prayers you prayed and you're hurt, but I know they, they were heard. But what I want to say to you today, the savoring of God, the savoring glory, that's what God sees. In the Old Testament, it talks about a, a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling sacrifice that God is pleased when he hears us pray. And it, we, we have that because of the merit of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. And we have an advocate that even when we don't know what to say, Jesus takes up that slack for us, so to speak, and, and makes intercession for us with groanings. The Holy Spirit does what we can't even say. So I wanted to look at this prayer as savoring glory. That your prayers, when you're looking for God's glory, and that's exactly what we got to do, we ought to do, even we want to do. Every believer wants to see God's glory. Don't you tell me any different. That's what you want to see. And you know why you do? Because God has done something to you. You know, we won't do anything for God until God has done something for us. That's what grace does. And by the way, you'll never separate grace and glory. You won't. They always go together. So when God saves you by His grace, you start immediately looking for God's glory. The thing is, we have so many things going against that. We have so many cover-ups. And I pray that God would help us this morning see, yes, God, I want to see your glory. And when you pray, what's revealed in your prayer is exactly what's on your heart. Or it ought to. And when we see that, oh God, the first thing I want you to know is, I want to see your glory. And the only way we're going to see it is for God to reveal it to us. But I'm going to tell you, he can do it. He sees your prayers as a sweet-smelling savor. He loves it. He adorns it. And I believe, again, in the hard parts of our life, I believe that's when we pray the most fervently. 
and God is most glorified, as John Piper said, when we are most satisfied. And we need to pray like we're satisfied with God being our Heavenly Father. And the first thing, though, I want to take three points. Did I tell you that? Three. Number one is, I want us to see that in prayer, in looking for God's glory, that prayer is the number one issue. That goes first. And in that prayer, there's a pattern to it. So the first point is, I want you to see with me the order of looking for God's glory. And number two is, I want us to see that there's some obstacles when we look for God's glory. And I want to see number three is that we see that there's a oneness. That's the culmination of this sweet-smelling savor as we look for God's glory. It's our Father. It's not your Father separately or mine. It's ours. We all have the same Father. And we need to bless Him and we need to see one another as children of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a blessing. What a joy when God shows us that a great need of him. But first of all, let's look at this. I want you to see the order of seeing God's glory in prayer. The order of it. Notice the first order is, Hallowed be thy name. This is the petition. Now there's, there's three petitions. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the first one, Hallowed be thy name. If you look at all the Bible language, that really means thy name be glorified. Hallowed means that it's set apart. Hallowed means that it's weighty. Hallowed means that, that it's reverenced. So, so we're the first thing we need to understand is that hallowed be thy name. There's an order to it. And we've got to get the order right to get the prayer right. See, again, it's not, it's not the words. It's not how long your prayers is. Whether you pray scripture or whether you pray this way and that, what matters though is the order of it. That is God's glory. You're looking for God's glory. Notice, you got to get to those three petitions that manifest God, that you're looking for God's glory before you can get the other four. Then you can talk about it and we can talk about what we want and what we need. But we need to get to God first. That should be the, 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 the point. That should be the priority. Of, of our prayer life. And I pray that God it will. I, you know, I said I was, just, I was just really ashamed of myself. I don't know. Sometimes I pray. I pray too much for what Randy wants. Uh, I'm not, I, I, we need to understand, we need to glorify God. We need to be looking for God's glory. And when we look for God's glory, then that sweet smelling savor has, has such an aroma to it. And what a blessing it is that we even get the overflow of it from God. So we see the order of it. You know, we, we need to, it's kind of like the bookends of life when you think about this prayer. Um, over in the account in Matthew, in the Beatitudes, this very prayer closes with the power and the glory of God. See, it's glory on both ends of it then. If we look at hallowed being, being and it does, the glory of God, we, we see at the beginning and the end is God's glory. And all of our life ought to be about God's glory, about glorifying God, about getting the order right. You know, that's where we need to be in our life is what is our priority? 
When, when is our order? You know, I can, I can tip my shirt and, and button. Every time I button my shirt, I have to make sure I get the buttons lined up right. You ever got your shirt out of order? You know, you get it one out, they're all out. Well, that's how it is with God in a much greater way. You know, God has to be first because God's not going to share his glory with another. So when we pray... We are humbling ourselves before the most high God, the, the king of the kings and maker of this universe, the sustainer of it. And so we come to him as his little children and we cry out to him and we understand that, God, I want, I want to see your glory. But, but the first thing to do is understand God is really, really serious about his glory. I could take you a picture uh, to a place in scripture, a picture, or you can see it in your mind if you want to. It's kind of a horrific drama graphic illustration there was a man in acts chapter 12 verse 23 his name was herod he was not looking for god's glory he was looking for his glory you can read that account in that one verse it'll grab you it did me in acts 12 23 you know what happened when this man was gloating over the glory that people gave him the bible says that he was struck down by an angel of god who laid his hand on him, that man fell down and was eaten with worms. What a horrific death. I'm going to tell you, that's what God says. It's in the Bible, Acts 12, 23. That's how God thinks about his glory. My goodness, I tell you, we ought to be completely, completely willing to repent and come to God and say, God, I have not glorified you. And I don't, don't, don't give up on me now. Don't, you don't quit and say, well, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Because Jesus did it. And God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our power that glorifies God. But make sure the order is right. You remember Moses in the Old Testament? You remember he was keeping his father Jethro's sheep. And God was about to do something really, really big. He had heard the cry of his people. Right in bondage, he heard that sweet-smelling savor of the cry of God. See, when God hears your tears, and God keeps your tears in a bottle, by the way, and God hears your prayers, God is going to do something. And you can be sure that when we're down to nothing, God is going to do something. I believe that God is doing something in America today. It might not be like we want. And the reason we're not appreciating it as we ought is I'm afraid we're not looking for God's glory. I'm afraid we're looking for our own glory. I'm afraid we're looking for the church's glory. I'm afraid we're looking for the preacher's glory. I'm afraid we're looking for every other thing. But we miss, first of all, we have to see and look and hunger and thirst for God's glory. And what a blessing it is when we get there. It's only by grace that we do. But when we do, man, I'm going to tell you nothing else matters in your life or mine. But God's glory. God's glory. See, what happens is, we can see the world today, and we can see what's going on. And I want to ask you something. What bothers you about it? Is it because, is it because all these folks are rioting or whatever, or we see all this belittling America? Uh, does that bother you? I mean, I'm sure it bothers us. But why? Is it because we don't like sin, or is it because God is not being glorified? I'm going to tell you, in the church today, we ought to be most, most aware, most sensitive to, is God being glorified? When I stand before God's people and behind this ancient, ancient book, ancient words, the number one thing is, I've got to glorify God. That's what I want to do. 
And if this, I don't, you know what? When you think about the order of it, hey, hey, listen to me now. You got to put God's glory ahead of everything, including salvation of souls. You got to put God's glory ahead of everything, including your family. You got to put God's glory ahead of loving your brothers and sisters. Now, it's not that you ought not to do all that, but I'm going to tell you. If you start loving people, and this is what we're doing sometimes, we love people so much that when they're living in lifestyles that is not glorifying God, we're afraid to say anything. Man, we're not going to judge, be judgmental. We'll sit there, you know, with our mouth shut. We'll sit there, and I think there's multitudes of Christians today that need to rise up, and I'm one of them. I mean, we just, you know, just want to say, oh, it's okay. Even though we're all sinners, but I'm going to tell you, you think about Jesus. Jesus went into the temple, and they were making a, a, a show out of it, a show out of God's house. And Jesus Christ started turning over the tables. And Jesus Christ showed a righteous indignation, so to speak. Why? Because of God's glory. We ought to be so concerned about God's glory, because that's the order. That's the order of prayer, that we want to see God glorified. We want the whole world. If, if that was possible, to glorify God and to know God, hallowed be thy name. You know, the Jews in the Old Testament, in the old, olden days, they would not even say Jehovah. That's how holy God was. They would say the name. And when you look at the name of God in the Old Testament, like Jehovah Rapha, the healer, or Jehovah Jireh, uh, Jehovah God, the God that provides, I mean, all of them, that's the name of God. I was talking about Moses. You remember Moses went from that place where God heard the sweet flavor of his people. And God called a man. And God called him Moses. He wasn't a perfect man, but God's going to use him. You can be sure that God is going to use you. He's going to use your prayers. He's going to use your witness in a way that you might not feel worthy or capable of doing it. But I'm going to tell you we serve a God that is able to take things that we can't do and make them. We're serving a God that can take all our mistakes and our deadness and make a resurrection out of them. That's what God is doing. And God told Moses, Moses, you remember the burning bush in Exodus 3? See, Moses sees this wonder. He sees the glory of God. He's not even looking for it. But he sees it. And he goes to it to see what it's about. First thing God says, Moses, take your shoes off. You're walking on holy ground. See, that's the first thing. He was about to converse with Moses. And when we pray, the first thing we need to do is take our shoes off. We need to understand who we're talking to or who's talking to us. We need to come in that humility to God. Not about if, how good we are, or what we've done or haven't done, but because God is holy. And he took his shoes off and God gave him instructions about what he was going to do. And I believe that's what God is going to do us. But the order... The order is so important. If you look at one of those places, another place in the Old Testament, uh, we're all familiar with 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It's always amazed me when I study that scripture of the order of it. Well, God says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from my wicked, their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal thy land. Now, notice the order of that. You know, we have the idea, well, first thing I got to do is quit sinning. Now, that's not the first thing you got to do. 
You can't do that anyway. What you got to do is humble yourself. Because you're called by God's name. You know what his name is? He told Moses, he said, what am I going to tell these Israelites that you are? He said, you tell them I am that I am. You tell them the name. That's all, the name. You know, I saw, I read somewhere, this guy was saying he went to the Grand Canyon. And I've never been there. Many of you have. I remember this guy, though, said he went to the Grand Canyon. And he, he was waiting in the lobby somewhere before he got there. And he was trying to find out for some local folks or people that were visiting, what's the best tour guide to get? What's the best part of the canyon to see? And so this older guy that had been there, lived there all his life, come up to him. He heard him. He said, I'm going to tell you, son, the best way to see the Grand Canyon is just go out there just about daylight and just sit down. He said, don't go to any tour guides. You just sit there and be still all day and you watch it. And that's how God is. God says to be still and know that I'm God. And so, so what happened to Moses, God says, you tell him I am that I am. And so that's the order of it that God has called us to be, to love him and to trust him. He said, hallowed be thy name. That's the order God gives us. Okay, number two. Now I guess where time goes somewhere. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, okay? You know what? That, that implies there's going to be opposition. When you and I start praying, hallowed be thy name. Are you ready to pray thy kingdom come to God? Because there's going to be opposition. There is. You know, people don't like the word kingdom. It implies a ruler. But, you know, God is a ruler. You know, we like the word democracy. And in fact, on the back shelf, it's becoming more of the front burner in the United States today is socialism. You know, that is, you know, you rule your own self. That's what we like. But you know, that the fact is, God is ruled is in the world today. In a sense, God's kingdom's right here. The first sermon Jesus preached, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So God's rule is in order. You know, God gave us a law. He says, when we sin, he says in Ezekiel 18, he that, the soul that sinned shall die. See, that rule still goes, okay? You get up on this building, you jump off, gravity is going to take you right to the concrete. You'll probably die. I mean, that is true. God's rule is still going. It's not, it's not something we got to just so see if God will, you know, do this or do that. It's, it's going. It's right now. But, but to pray thy kingdom come, it's to understand God. Understand, I want this. It didn't say kingdom go. He says come. See, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to, to go on a prayer walk or to, or to go to the Ukraine or to go to Africa or go to Mexico or somewhere else than it is to really face our own sins. What? Right here at home. I'll tell you, the greatest mission field right now for American Christians is America. And, and when we see that, because it's, it's easier for me to go on a prayer walk. I enjoyed that the other day. I want to do another one. But here's the deal. It's easier to do that than it is to forgive somebody that has done you wrong. It's easier to do that than it is to forgive yourself for something, some mistake you made. It's easier. I'm talking about this kingdom business is hard work. But to pray thy kingdom come. Be, to be real serious with God about his kingdom actually coming. And as again, God's kingdom in a sense is right here. God's kingdom is in your heart. But there's, there's a battle. And one day Jesus is coming again. And that kingdom, that kingdom, and this world, this earth is going to be renewed. 
And God's kingdom on heaven and earth is going to be one, okay? And so Jesus is coming again. And his kingdom shall reign. But God, see, was not surprised about the opposition. You know what? We need to expect opposition. Anything you're going to do right, you're going to be expect to be opposed by it. I'd be willing to say that you and I, that the great merit of our success, if we have any, it's not going to be on how much we got or how much we even know or how much people like us. It's going to be how much have we achieved comparing it to the opposition that we faced, okay? That is, that is what we need to understand, the opposition. Somebody said, and I shared this with you a while back, and I'll share it again. He says that, that success is not, is measured. He said this, success is measured by how far you bounce once you hit the bottom. So we need to see this. You know, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know when this church gets vibrant? This is why I believe that we're in the midst of a revival. And some of us don't even realize it. Because the church thrives when it's persecuted. The Christian does better for God when, when we're persecuted, when we have opposition. And that's how God's arranged. See, this is no surprise for God. I mean, Satan has a kingdom. This kingdom of the world is Satan's kingdom, but he's God's devil, okay? God is even under God's plan that that's the way it is. It's the kingdom of darkness, of, of sin and and lust, and addiction, it's all these things. That's in the world today. It's a kingdom. So, so he says, thy kingdom come. That's what he says, you pray, thy kingdom come. Would you be willing to pray that today? Lord, thy kingdom come. You know, once we get to that, then we're saying, really, God, I surrender everything I have to you, to your kingdom. And, and until we want to, you know, the problem is I think we all want to hold on to so much of our own kingdom. And it's not going to be. And we need to be willing to say, God, I want you to know that your kingdom needs to come. Thy kingdom come. And then, so there's the opposition. I want you to see with me as we think about savoring God's glory now. Think about it. That the first thing we do, the order of this player, the order of seeking God's glory. It's really, really relevant to, to really f we finding the satisfaction that only God can give us. That we're really, really serious about God getting glory. Okay? And then secondly, we see that as we do that, then there's going to be some opposition. There's going to be some forces against us. There's going to be our own fleshly nature. Okay? There's going to be situations in our life that that we don't understand. I was reading uh, this morning about an NFL football player who said that football had become his God. I mean, he said, it was just my God. He said, it brought me out of the ghetto, it, and I was a running back, and I was, went to college, and it became my God. And he says, one day I got injured. And said, I remember they were taking me off the field. And I remember getting in the dressing room, or before I got in the dressing room, I heard the crowd applauding for somebody else that was carrying my God. You know, that's how fickle the kingdom of this world is. And he said, there's no other kingdom but God's kingdom. And I understand that now. But it took, he said, he called him the naked linebacker. He said this linebacker would wrap a towel on him, around him after they got out of the shower and take his Bible. And he said he talked to his players or the 
fellow teammates and said, do you know Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? And he said he, he remembered that. He remembered that witness. So the kingdom of God, you see, is to be part of coming to us and it's embracing that in our life. And then also, the one come, then thou will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Now in John 17, here's another prayer that speaks miles about God's glory from our Lord himself. We, he's teaching us this prayer, but he's also applying it. And that's what we need to do as believers. You know, I pray that God would help us apply this mentality of renewing our mind in prayer. And we have a great platform to do that through this pandemic. Just prayer. You keep praying as you are, but, but make it more intensely uh, singling out God's glory. In Jesus' high priestly prayer, prayer is called in John 17, last part of that, uh, look at verse 24. It says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me with me where I be with me where I am. I want you to see the oneness in this. That they may behold my glory. That's why eternal life is knowing God, knowing his glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. He goes on and prays, O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known th that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. See, the oneness, that's what I want to get to you. You know, what we really need to say is, is or see, in this I'll pray, is that we see that we know that God is with us, but we need to see ourselves as being able to say and put that in practice by His grace, Lord, I'm with you too. You know, I'm with you. Because I want to ask you something. When you think about the will of God, when I say, think about this now, don't, don't leave me yet. Think about this. If I say the will of God, what comes into your mind the first thing? You don't have to answer me. Okay. Most of us think about some hard time, loss of a loved one, um, a, um, you know, a sickness, cancer, um, a cross. And maybe, maybe it's because of Gethsemane, you know, where Jesus prayed that, not my will, but thine be done. Or maybe it's because of Job and some of the things of life. This is real, we have that. But, but you know what? We need to understand it's also God's will that the sun rise. Did you know that? Did you know it's also God's will that you see all these peanuts plowed up in the forest farmer's field? There's a harvest. That's God's will. Did you know that you're God's will? Did you know that, that you really didn't have anything to do with a lot of... You, you, you did not determine your sex. You did not determine your color of your skin or being born in America. You know that's God's will? I just want you to know that, that, that you understand that God, God's will be done. You were born, you know, God had you in his mind before you ever come on this earth. And you have a purpose in life. And so maybe we need to say, God, just, I just want to get at it. I want to, I want to bless you. But we need to say, God, God also has a, has a will that manifests that the good far outweighs the bad. You know, everything we think of God's will is not just something bad that's happened. You know, the, the pandemic, well, that's God's will. 
But you know what? God says a lot of blessings. There's a lot of resurrection. There's a lot of people coming to Jesus Christ. There's a lot of interest in God's word. There's a lot of hungry and thirsting after righteousness. There's a lot of people moving around in places and times and things. There's a lot of families being closer together because of all this. There's people doing more things now that are really more important in setting the right order than has ever been done before. See, see God, God does send a hurricane, but he sends a lot more sunrises than he does hurricanes. That's what I want you to see. So when you think about God's will, we can say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it means, see, if we can pray that this, and we're looking for God's glory, you know what it means? You can, you can have a broken heart, and you can bring all the pieces to God. Bring them all. He'll put them back together again. I want to tell you, that's His will, because oneness is God's will. God is not about for us to live around, you know, just scattered and fragmented, moping around. God, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So, so, you know, what we need to be doing is really praying that God, that we see the order of our prayer. And that order is that God be glorified. And there's an order to all. God has a moral law. There's an order to it. Um, you know, your salvation, Romans 8, 30, whom he did predestinate. They may also call. They may also call. They may also justify. They may also justify. They may also glorify. So you're going to be glorified one day. God can see it as past tense because He's that powerful. I mean, every atom of this universe is under His control. But so we need to see that and bless God in it. And what a blessing it is to see it. So may God help us to, to understand the oneness that He gives us. See, I want to close by telling you this. You can do God's will. When you say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're not praying something or wanting to do something you can't do. See, that's, that's not, because if you want to see God's glory, you will see it. Now, God has to reveal it to you. You can't make it up. It's not academically required, acquired, rather, but it is God giving it to you. And you can see it. Now, you might, now you might not, be, not be able to sing like Sally Marie. You not about, might be able to preach like, I would say me, but there's a lot of preachers preach better than me, but you might may, not be able to preach. I'll tell you what you can do. You can do the will of God. You can do it. And I'm going to tell you something else. You know when you're not doing it. Yes, you do, because God's given you that spirit to guide you, okay? And so if you're not doing it, you get on your knees, you confess Jesus Christ, you come to him, and you surrender everything you've got to Jesus. And you say, God, you say it like this. You say, God, I want to serve you. I don't know if anybody else is going to do it or not, but I am. I give you my life. i tell you, that is seeing God's glory. When you're willing to surrender everything you have for God. I'm talking about your hurts, your pie in the sky, your ups and your downs, and all in between. And you just say, Jesus, I want you to be glorified. I want my life to be lived for your honor and glory. And even through this pandemic, I want you, God, to be glorified. And you know what? He'll do it. And I think most prominently so in this time. May the Lord bless you and keep you close to Him as we see the savoring glory of prayer. I'm telling you, it's, it's an amazing thing what you do on your knees and with God, whether you're there with a literal posture or just in your heart. Don't you ever be a little prayer. You're coming to God.
Remember the order of it, to glorify. You ask for that glory. But you know there's opposition. You know that the world's not going to always do right. That Satan is very real. But Jesus is greater. And that, that when we do, we see the oneness of it, and the unity, and the peace, and rest that only comes when we do things as God's called us. May the Lord bless you. Keep us close to Him. Would you bow with me? I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your precious Word. and I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that promotes it in our hearts. For convicting us, Lord, of our sin by your grace that brings us to our knees of repentance. And for the strength, O oh God, to get up and do it again and try to bless your holy name and glorify you in a greater way. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this word. I pray for each one listening that you would bless their hearts and their minds, O oh God, that we would be more profoundly, more purposely, more principally dealing with your glory in our prayers, understanding the opposition. Help us, O oh God, and lead us not into temptation as this very prayer covers. And dear Lord, that we might see that oneness, the unity and the joy and the peace that path is understanding. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.